If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. We are ending off tonight with our series on one another. And we've been preaching the last few weeks through this concept of brothering each other in church. Because when you read through the New Testament, one of the main pictures used in the, in the Bible, in the Word, to describe church, to describe this, what we are doing currently, one of the main pictures used is the picture of a family unit. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, all that has been now grafted into the family of God. How? Through the work of his son Jesus on the cross, through his death and through his resurrection, making it possible for you and me to not only have eternal life secured for me one day out there, but to also actually share in an inheritance right here, right now on this side of eternity. And what that inheritance is, my brother and sister, is the people sitting next to you, the people around you. We don't only get saved into eternal life one day. I am saved into a family right here, right now. And here's why I love the fact that when you spend time in the New Testament, you keep seeing that image of brothers and sisters or family, the household of God being put together. Here's why I love that. Because what happens when you are born into a family? Hold on to your seats. Revolutionary thought. You're going to write this down. You're going to want to write this down in your notebook or make a note of that on your phone. But when you are born, you grow up. What? Yo, I know, right? Here's another revolutionary idea. You are born a baby. I know some of you are like, I left my bed. (laughs) I left the comfort of my home just to have someone on a stage tell me that I was born a baby. Thank you, Jesus, for nothing. (laughs) But here's the reality. You're born a baby, right? And guess what? Even though a baby brings so much joy into a family, I can testify about that. We have a little boy that's eight months old and he brings so much joy into our life. But the truth is he contributes absolutely nothing to our family. Nothing. (laughs) Think about it. He uses all our time. Even the time we set out for sleep, he uses that for his own personal enjoyment. He uses all our money, okay, because he poops around the clock and he needs diapers. He's a baby. He can do nothing for himself. He needs us to feed him, to bathe him, to dress him, to care for him, to comfort him. He can't even go to sleep by himself. He needs help going to sleep. But the reality is that's normal. It's good. Why? Because he's born a baby. (laughs) 
Babies need around-the-clock care and supervision and attention and love and affection. But hear me say this tonight. You can be my witnesses 18 years from now. If my son Benjamin is 18 years old and I am still wiping his ass, then we have a problem. <laughs> can, I, can I say that in church? I'm sorry. It's too late now. If he turns 18 and I am still dressing him, awkward, and I am still wiping him, and I am still bathing him, and I am still feeding him, then I would have failed as a parent and he would have failed as a man. Am I right? The spiritual truth to a joke like that, name, is when you get to know God, what does the word teach us? You're born into a new family, a spiritual family he calls the church. But again, remember, you're born a what? A baby. And the most natural thing for a baby is to grow up, to mature. You see, not long from now, we're going to be teaching our son Benjamin, you know, how to feed himself you know, how to properly hold a spoon. Not too long after that, we're going to be teaching him how to dress himself, right? How to tie his own shoelaces. In a few years from now, we're going to be teaching our son how to go to the bathroom by himself because we don't want to wipe him anymore. He's going to start contributing one day to our family. How? Because I can't wait for this day when I get to tell him, please go turn on the dishwasher for me. I would appreciate it. Thank you. Or please go and fetch the washing for me outside. I would appreciate it. Thank you. But can you hear the narrative? It's normal to grow up. It's normal to mature. And when it comes to the spiritual family, we call church. My brother and sister, we need to do some growing up sometimes, right? We're born a baby, which is great. We love babies. They add so much joy to our life. But babies should and have to grow up. They have to mature. And tonight, I want to answer the very simple question. When it comes to this spiritual family that you were now born into, when it comes to this household that you belong to, how do you grow up? How do you mature? How do you actually grow from being a baby or an infant that needs feeding and care and 24-hour, you know, affection and love to actually being someone that is a little bit independent that can actually start contributing and giving and building into this family that God is busy building up? That's the question I want to answer tonight. I want to invite you to open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. It's in your New Testament. It's an incredible book. I want to encourage you, bring your Bible with you on a Sunday. Bring your notebook. Take notes of what you're experiencing. Or you can just write, that was weird, what she said. She said the A word in church. Can't believe it. I want to invite you to open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. Let's read together from verse 9. It says, And so from the day we heard, 
we have not ceased to pray for you. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae. He's writing to a spiritual family. And he's encouraging them. He's writing, since we heard, he's talking about their faith. They got really good feedback from this local spiritual family. This church was doing really well. People were growing. They were experiencing God. And he writes this letter and he says, since the day we've heard, we've not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, talking about God, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, already we see here, Paul is referring to a process where the spiritual family, like us, where brothers and sisters, like you and me, Sons and daughters who belong to our Father in heaven. He's writing about a process where they actually grow up a little. They mature. They start excelling in their faith. They are no longer babies, but they're growing up. And he goes on to say, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's now speaking about salvation. He's talking about the gospel. And he's saying, and he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Just look at the words that he uses, endurance, strength, patience, joy. These are not words we would typically attribute to a baby, right? Have you ever heard someone say, yo, my baby has endurance. He can bench, yo, I am impressed. Or yo, my baby has strength. He's like carrying around boxes and weights and it is just so impressive. Now he's using words that you would typically attribute to what? Someone that's actually a grown-up, right? Someone that's grown in their faith. Someone that has gone on that spiritual journey of being born a baby into God's family and then actually starting to grow and excel and mature, after this section, he dives into one of my favorite portions in the Bible. And the heading in most of your Bibles would probably say the next section, it literally says the supremacy of Christ. And he literally takes verses upon verses just to explain to this church, this spiritual family, how incredible Jesus is. Listen to the language he uses. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He goes on to say he existed before everything. Through him, everything was created. Everything we can see and can't see. Everything was created through him, by him, for him. He existed before anything else. He holds everything together. He's the head of the church, which is his body. He is supreme over all who raises from the dead. He is first in everything everything. He uses language literally to try and convey to the reader, just listen to how incredible this Jesus is. Let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you how wonderful Christ is. Why does he do that? We're going to get to that in a minute. I have a point, I promise. He goes on to say, verse 21, this includes you, who were once far away from God. Again, he's now referring to the gospel. 
saying you were his enemies at one stage. At one stage, you and I were enemies of God, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself. How? Through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him, get this, without a single fault. And then he says something that I actually want to preach on. <laughs> but I had to take a little bit of a detour to get there. You know, because it's not helpful if you just read one verse and you're like, shop. Sometimes you have to read a little passage to understand what that one verse is saying. He ends this chapter by saying in verse 28, him we proclaim, talking about Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, get this, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then he says, this is why I do what I do. Why? So that you can grow up. So that you can grow from being a spiritual baby that needs people to feed you and care for you. It's not a bad thing. It's wonderful because we love babies. But he literally spent an entire chapter telling them about the gospel, telling them how wonderful Jesus is. And then he ends by saying, look at how great Jesus is. Consider the wonderful work of the gospel because I want you to grow up in your faith. I don't want you to stay a baby. I want you to grow. I want you to excel. I want you to, in the family of God, that the place we call church, I want you to bring something. I want you to add something. I want you to contribute something. Why? I'm going to get to that at the end. I'm going to keep you in suspense. So, if I have been born again through faith, and not only am I inheriting eternal life one day, but I'm inheriting on this side already as well. If I have been born into a spiritual family like this, that's the journey we've been on for weeks now. What does it look like when I start growing, right? Because no one wants to stay a baby. Let's be honest, okay? Imagine if you had to like have someone else still clean you and wipe you and bathe you, and dress you in clothes that they think is cute, but you hate it, actually. Imagine if people still talk to you like we talk to babies. New knees. <laughs> Imagine if people still treated you like a baby. No one wants that, right? So when I start growing up in the family of God, if we are brothers and sisters and I start excelling in my faith, I start growing up, I move from being a baby and I start maturing, what does that look like? Two very easy ideas. One, you do it in love. The way you grow up is in love. The way you add is in love. The way you contribute is in love. The way you participate in the building up of the church is in love. And secondly, the way you add, the way you participate, the way you contribute, the way you grow up is in practice. In love and in practice. What do I mean by in love? Jesus makes this incredible statement in John where he says, this is how people will know that you follow me. Ever wondered that? 
ever wondered, God, how, how will I tell people? You know, I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm awkward. I don't know the Bible that well, but I want to share my faith. I want to share the gospel. Jesus says in John, he says, this is how people will know that you follow me. And then he doesn't say by all the memory verses that you know, or by all the verse of the day posts that you have made on your WhatsApp or Instagram. He says, the way people will know that you love me and follow me and belong to me, the way people will know that you belong to the spiritual family of God is how you love each other. The way we love testifies that I belong to my father. I belong to my brothers and sisters. I belong to a family that God is using for what? For making his love, his glory, and his presence tangible. Not only in here, but out there. First of all, it's really easy. How do I grow up? You grow up in love firstly. Because everything that happens inside this building with us gathered like this, and everything that happens outside of this building when we scatter needs to happen from that core position of knowing I am loved by God my Father. Now I can go and love. It's the way you grow up in your spiritual family like this. Secondly, you grow up in practice. You see, there's going to come a time when we're going to start asking our son Benjamin to do some things around the house, right? There's going to come a time where I'm going to tell him to help me with certain things, whether it's unpacking the dishwasher or folding the laundry or bringing me coffee in the morning because he kept me up for the first four years of his life. And then I'm going to keep him up when he's a teenager one day and revenge will be mine. Okay. But there will be a day when we will stop treating our son like a baby because he's not going to be a baby. He's going to grow up and I'm actually going to start giving him certain responsibility in the house. One day when we get another pet, he's going to have the responsibility of helping to take care of that pet. Why? Because he's our slave? No, because he's part of the family. He's part of our family. And the way we do family means everyone brings something to the table. So when we say, I've been born again, I belong to God, my father, and I belong to a spiritual family like this, it means that I bring something to the table. I add something. I contribute something. Not because I have to, but simply because I'm a part of what God is doing here. Three quick ideas. How do you grow up? How do you mature as a son or a daughter, a brother and sister in this family. You do it with your time. You do it with your treasure. You do it with your talents. Let's talk about time. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. Let's think of ways to motivate one another. See, there's the one another. That's the journey we've been on. Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It's so simple. You add to this family by giving something as simple as your time, encouraging your brothers and sisters, 
towards acts of love and good works is one example of many. But this is a practical way that I can start giving. I can start adding. I can start aiding to the functioning of this family that I belong to. Some of us need to grow up when it comes to this element in this family. Maybe you need to start adding, giving, contributing some of your time because we need you, no, simply because you belong to this family. You add to what God is busy with here. You care about what God is busy with here. Why? Because I've been born into this family. I know what you're thinking, Aiden, I don't have time. I don't have it. Can I say, if you're at this moment thinking, listen, Aiden, I've got like five minutes to spare in my entire week between my studies, my job, my responsibilities. I literally don't have space to give any more time to whatever is happening in this building. Can I say God can do way, way more with your five minutes to spare than with someone that has hours even available? You see all the really amazing crew people running around outside our service before things start? They've like, they've clicked something so wonderful. The people on stage leading us in worship, the people serving coffee, they don't do that because they get paid. We don't pay our volunteers, just saying, no. They do that, why? Because they belong to this family. They add to what God is busy with in this family by a very practical thing, giving of their time. Secondly, your treasure. Let's talk about that. Second Corinthians 9, Paul is busy writing. He's busy writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I've, I've already told you at the start of our service, I do believe it's good to give. I do believe it's a part of your act of worship when you give. I'm going to keep this one short and sweet, but some of us need to grow up in this regard and not grow up like you must grow up. Some of us need to mature. Some of us need to take a step forward. Some of us need to move from being a baby to actually taking a sense of responsibility by adding, giving, contributing to what God is busy with in this local family. Third one, last one, your talents. This is the easy one. First Peter 4 verse 10 says, God has given each of you Notice he doesn't say, God has given the professional Christians or God has given the big Christians. In Afrikaans, we somehow, we always use the phrase, someone is a groot Christen. I have no idea what that means because then obviously I must be a, a little Christen because I'm short. But note, he doesn't say that he has given the professional Christians a gift. No, he says God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them to what? To serve one another. He says, use them, bring them, add them, contribute them, bring them to what I am busy with in this local family in here so that God's love, glory, and presence can be made tangible here, but also tangible out there. It's a very practical sermon tonight. My brother and sister, if you love kids, 
join our kids' ministry. If you have a musical talent, join the worship team. Because we say you have to know, because you belong to this family. And part of growing up in a family is taking a sense of responsibility. Not because I have to, but because I get to. It's from a place of belonging and love and acceptance. Some of us need to grow up when it comes to our talents, our gifts, the things I'm good at, the things I'm passionate about. I can name a lot of people like that. Charlene is one of them. Okay, I've known Charlene for many, many years. And one thing I know about Charlene, like in the last, what, 10 years that I've known her, is I know that she is gifted when it comes to her work with children. She's gifted. And you know what? This local spiritual family is built up and God is glorified in here and out there because Charlene brings her talent. She brings her gift. I can say that about a lot of you. People that I know, you're growing. Nolo is one of them sitting right here. I could literally see the past month she joined the serving crew, which is great. Né? And I can literally see the work of God being made practical in her life because she's giving of her time to the building up of this church family. I can see it literally. I see it on her face on a Sunday when she's yelling at Franco to go into the auditorium because the service is about to start. She's adding, she's giving, she's contributing to what God is busy with in this family. It's incredible to see. I can say that about someone like Christy Lee as well, who leads our ministry team. She leads the, the, the praying also before our church service starts, and she's gifted, right? This morning, we had a prayer moment, and Eugene asked, okay, who sees themselves as prayer warriors? And Christelle was like, and she is, definitely. She raised her hand, went forward. She led us in a moment of prayer. But guess what? This local church family, these brothers and sisters, you and I are built up because she uses what she has. She brings her gift. She uses her time. And God's love, presence, and glory is made real. Not because I preach. That's like number 10 on the list of 10, okay? It's because we start contributing to what God is busy with in this spiritual family. What is your next step, my brother and sister? Where can you give? Where can you add? Where can you contribute to what God is busy with here. I want to invite the worship team to join me. We're going to end off just by a moment of song and praise, just thanking God for who he is. But I want to end off with just sharing a quick story from my own life. So this is how, um, you guys, no, no chores, you know, responsibilities that you need to do. So this is how chores worked in, my, in our house growing up when I was still a kid. I grew up in Langenhoven Park. They literally across the Budamark. And how chores worked in our house is I have two brothers. They're older than me. They're twins. And um, how chores worked is in our kitchen, we had like one of those classic pin boards, you know, that you get like pin papers. Do some of you are like, what the heck is a pin board? But this is like 90s technology, okay? Pin boards and papers and thumbtacks and it's great. Yeah? 
In our kitchen, we have a pin board with an A4 piece of paper with all three our names. So Brendan, Keegan, Aiden Lee, and then a column underneath each of our names. And every month, each of us would have the opportunity to do certain chores in and around the house. And how it would work is this. If you like wash the dishes or fold the laundry or pick up dog poo, we had five dogs, so that was like a big chores and a lot of poo everywhere, all over. And how it would work in our house is every time you do a chore, my dad would like at the end of the month, pay, pay us a certain amount in pocket money for the chores that we did. So washing dishes was like worth two rand, not a lot. Like some of you are thinking, I would never wash dishes. But like, remember 20 years ago, two rand was like a lot. Picking up dog poo, we had a lot of dogs, like I said. So picking up dog poo was like 10 rand, okay? Cleaning the swimming pool, 50 rand, okay? So we would like fight over who gets to clean. My, see, my dad's a genius, right? We would like fight over who gets to clean the swimming pool. Bunch of chores like that. At the end of the month, my dad would tally, you know, all the chores that we did. And then that would be our pocket money the next month. Okay, some of you are thinking, shame, that's like a horrible, cheap labor, you know. Dad's a genius, but shame. Yeah? And here's the truth. I, I wasn't as ambitious as what I am now. I was actually a very lazy child. Like, but somewhere Jesus got a hold of me put some drive into me. That's a story for a different day. But I was very bad at doing chores. I really sucked at doing chores. And I want to make two quick points with this story. At the end of the month, when my dad would calculate, he would calculate all the chores that you did. He would give you pocket money. And my dad, literally because I'm his favorite, I can say that, okay? I'm his favorite brown-eyed girl, youngest, only daughter, my dad, simply because he loves me, name, he would easily, each month, anyway, double the pocket money that I earned, simply because he loves me. Point number one, he loves me. Point number two, was my dad an evil genius that just enforced cheap child labor? No. See, what my dad was actually busy with, and I only realized that years later, because in the moment, I'm thinking, while well, washing dishes, well, this sucks, too rand. What the heck, you know? Years later, I realized what my dad was actually busy with in that moment is he was teaching me how to grow up. He was building into me a sense of maturity. He was helping me by giving me certain responsibilities so that I can move from being a baby to being someone that actually contributes to the functioning of our household. The point I want to make is this. One, you can't impress God with what you do anyway. So don't join a serving team thinking God will love you more because of it. He loves you enough already. Don't start tithing because you think that'll make God love you more. He loves you anyway. Okay? Don't start praying and giving and adding to what God is busy with because you think somehow that is going to unlock a new level of relationship with God. No, God loves you as much as He could love you perfectly for all time, right here, right now, even if you give or add nothing. That's the truth of the gospel. Sounds unfair, right? But it's true. Secondly, what if God does desire for you 
to grow up, to move from being a baby, to grow into maturity, to grow into the fullness of your manhood or womanhood that God desires for you. And you know a really easy way to start that process simply by giving of yourself to this local church family so that what God does in here can echo out there. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to end off just by praying and worshiping together. I want you to just take 15 quick seconds and I want you to pray and just ask God, God, what is my next step? What is my next step of growth? Is my next step of growth the fact that I should just join this family? Find a group that I can belong to and grow with? Is my next step the fact that I maybe need to start giving a little bit of my time? Is my next step the fact that I should actually start exercising faith by tithing regularly and faithfully? Is my next step the fact that I should go on a journey of discovery about what are my gifts, what are my talents, and how can I use them in this church family so that God's love, glory, and presence can be made real and tangible in here and out there. Just take 10 quick seconds and just ask God that. God, what is my next step? God, what is my next step? What do you have for me? What is your desire for me? What is your plan for me? God, how can I give and contribute and bring to the table something small so that your love can be made real, tangible, present in here and out there? Won't you just raise your hands with me as we end off in prayer and then we're just going to end off by worshiping one song together. Father, we thank you that we get to belong to your family. You use us. You build us like bricks, Father. Each one of us with a role to play, a gift to give, something to add to the table, something to bring. Why? So that, God, your love can be made real and tangible to my brothers and sisters around me and so that your love can be made real and tangible to those outside this building that have yet to be born into this church family. God, we thank you for that. And, Father, tonight, as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters that belong to you, we want to collectively pray in faith, God, use me. Use what I have. Whether it's big or small, massive or insignificant, God, use me. Use whatever I can bring. Use my time. Use my finances. Use my talents. Use my passion, God, so that you can be glorified in here and in this city. In Jesus' name, amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.